to talk a little bit about uh, integrating yoga practice into daily life. <coughs> so, um, <clears throat> I'm sure a number of you, uh, you know, go to yoga classes in, in your community. Some of you may have a teacher that, you know, really speaks to you, and that's great. Um, that's a really, that's a really wonderful asset to have, to have a, a teacher that you can work with. Um, and sometimes it's, it's not always the case, you know, that, uh, you know, depending on where you live, if you live in a small town. Or, um, but I would encourage you, uh, you know, to, to shop around, you know, to uh, not settle for the first teacher that you find and, you know, ask, um, you know, like, at the end of class, maybe, you know, seek the teacher out and ask some meaningful questions and see if that person sort of, you know, resonates on your wavelength. Um, so, um, but also it can be useful to, to have a home practice, to integrate yoga into daily life, into your own daily uh, spiritual routine. Um, so, a couple of helpful hints there, uh, you know, have a place in your house that, where you can roll out a, a yoga mat and, you know, maybe create a little altar and have a dedicated space. Um, other suggestions would be to, you know, if you can, you know, carve out, say, 30 minutes a day, if that's possible, you know, uh, then maybe you know, carve it up into a little bit of yoga time and then some time for sitting. So, let's say ideally if you had 30 minutes, you know, you could uh, do 10 minutes of yoga and then sit. And that can be really helpful as you can see from this retreat. That benefited from uh, using, incorporating the yoga into your, into your meditation practice, right? Yeah, I think people are nodding their heads, yes. Um, <coughs> So, the reverse can also be true. It could be, uh, could be nice to sit first for 20 minutes and then do a little bit of yoga, you know, and see what that's like. No, what's it like when you, what's it like when you do some yoga and then sit? What's the effect of that? And then, what's the effect of sitting and then breaking out into some yoga? How does that inform your yoga practice? So you could. Maybe experiment with that as, you know, try mixing it up that way. Um, and then another thing that's worked for me in the past is, uh, you know, is as I get on my yoga mat, it's like asking myself the question is like, what do I need? What do I need? You know, sometimes I need to energize, I need to get the blood moving, get the breath moving, and I'll do some, maybe I'll just do a whole series of sun salutations, you know. But then other days, get on the mat and it's like, I don't want to do very much, you know. So, so then give yourself permission to lie down and maybe just do Shavasana for 10 minutes. Wow, you know, if the body needs rest, it'll tell you. So I encourage you, when you get on your mat, it's just like, pop the question is, like, what do I need? Rather than it being a formula of, you know, I'm going to 
I'm going to warm up and then I'm going to do some salutations and I'm going to do, you know, just the way I did it in class on Saturday, you know. I mean, that's fine. But it could also be powerful to, you know, really inquire deeply as to what does this body need right now? How can I, how can I nurture my body? How can I be, you know, and it's, it's a, it's an act of kindness. Um, and, and I think also the seasons, for me anyways, this is my experience, the seasons dictate practice a lot. It's like around this time of year, <laughs> this body doesn't want to move a hell of a lot. <laughs> you know, kind of lie down and do some gentle yoga, maybe more yin stretches, you know, the longer holds, the deeper tissues. And then as spring and summer roll around, you just feel that impulse, that energy, that uh, it's kind of like, you know, the spring flower in you that's budding and growing. And so that's reflected in, can be reflected in our yoga practice that way, is the, the seasons, the cycles. So honoring, honoring that as well. Um, other thoughts would be, uh, <coughs> you know, yoga is not something that you have to dedicate, you know, a certain amount of time every day. And that's as great, you know, that's great if you could do that. But we don't always, have, you know, the conditions aren't always available to us. So then how do we weave yoga in to our daily life? You know, so like, uh, you know, we just got, got off the phone, someone really pissed us off, you know. So, what do we, you know, how can we respond in the moment? It's like maybe... Taking three breaths, um, or being in a situation with another person, and it's, you know, it's difficult and it can be challenging, and you know, we're starting to feel like we're getting worked up, and coming back and just feeling our feet on the ground can be helpful. Just making contact with ourselves in some way, um, or if you're at work. You know, just some shoulder rolls, or you ever hear chair yoga or desk yoga, you know, just, just doing some desk, desk yoga. Okay. At times, you know, help unlock those patterns of um, tension that build up during the day, you know, difficult boss or difficult clients or whatever. You know. Some of you are therapists, I understand. There's a number of therapists in the room, and you know, the, the, the 50 minute hour, or maybe even those 10 minutes, you know, can be a time to do, to just do, get up and do some, you know, just get up and maybe stand and do a little bit of sun arms or something, just to come back to, just come back, coming back to the body in a, in, in a useful way. Um, so. Maybe that's about it for now. <laughs> right. Do we do the questions later? Or yeah, yeah, I'll just going? say a few words. Yeah. Take five, okay. five, five or six minutes. Yeah. <coughs> meditation mm. practice. <coughs> so, um, so practice in daily life, uh, in our daily lives. Um, uh, I encourage you as 
you know, similar to what David was saying, to um, to have a daily sit, you know, and and uh, it's good to find a regular time, if possible in the morning, um, because the mind is fresh. Generally speaking, it's, it's the best time, uh, and. Uh, you know, but if you hit the ground running, you have young kids, or um, just don't have that time in the morning, then maybe um, taking 15 minutes before lunch, and maybe finding a quiet room. Uh, if you have are working in a in some kind of building with other people, um, taking 15 minutes before lunch. Uh, some people meditate when they come home. From work, um, if you do have a, if you are working on a regular basis, um, and and it's often, uh, I mean, it's it's good because you can sometimes let go of the stresses, just to come into the body and 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 notice what the energy is and and can just uh, be present with it. Um, notice how. You're maybe holding on to it in the body. Breathe it out, let it go. Um, but it, it's often very challenging, more challenging even to meditate in the evening because um, we're 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 tired. <coughs> you know, <coughs> once the mind falls asleep and so on, so it can be a just a struggle against falling asleep. But you know, find. Find what works for you. And again, similar to what David said, if you have a sangha, uh, a, a Buddhist <coughs> community, in your, uh, where you live, and if you live in Montreal, there are a number of them. In Ottawa, there's a couple. Uh, in Toronto, there are some. Um, and, um, and if you don't, um, then uh, there are there are some really wonderful online programs that um, that that you can connect up with. Uh, you know, they they can be um, you know often they're eight weeks or ten or twelve weeks, um, but they do provide. Uh, framework of some teaching, some exercises, some practices, some ways of working and deepening your your Dharma understanding. So, so it's um, it can be very helpful. Um, I think it's uh, you know the the these these teachings uh, of grounding ourselves in in an attitude of generosity. Um, uh, in an attitude of of ethics, of bringing a framework of ethics into our lives, uh, the, these are very important ways of deepening and um, and finding, you know, discovering more deeply how we are connected. Uh, as um, as I mentioned uh, in one of the talks, you know, generosity brings joy. And this is um, this is something the Buddha, you know, kept emphasizing to to his um, his students, 
You know, like generosity brings joy when you think about being generous, in the act of being generous, and remembering being generous. Because when we're generous, we, you know, with our resources, with our, with our talents, with our, our kindness, we are, um, we're breaking down that uh, sense of disconnection and separateness. You know, we, we are, uh, we need to, we need belonging, we need community, we need connection, we all need that so much. And unfortunately in our big cities it's, it's not always there. Um, so, so, uh, so generosity, reaching out and, and sharing, uh, inviting, the Buddha said, um, about generosity, if people if people knew the the benefits of generosity, they would never sit down to a meal um, by themselves if they knew someone else was was wanting. And uh, of course, in our big cities, we don't. It's not like the small villages of ancient. India, but um, but it is uh, it is possible to reach out in many ways, and um, in ethics, uh, and really practicing that non-harming, you know, especially with the people who are closest to us, you know, like, do I have to say that crabby comment? Mm -hmm. Uh, or complain, or critic and critical. You know, can, I, can I really, uh, you know, kind of? It's perception, right? So, so really uh, training ourselves with these, with these perceptions of compassion and kindness and, um, and non-judgment. And um, and letting go. So renunciation, letting go, letting go of of the the critical uh, comment. I mean, it's not that we should never criticize, but you know, is it really needed? And is it timely? Uh, is it the appropriate time? <coughs> And I think um, our relationships are such an important context for, for our mindfulness practice. Our relationships, uh, in fact, there was this one exchange between the Buddha and Ananda. Um, Ananda, the Buddha's um, assistant and also his cousin. And Ananda said, you know, I think that like, relationships are half the spiritual life. And, um, and the Buddha said, no, Ananda, relationships are the whole of the spiritual life. Oh, hmm. That's very interesting. So, so I pondered that. You know, like, hmm, I 
relationships in the whole spiritual life. We're always in relationship. We're always in relationship. We're in relationship. Even when we're alone, we're in relationship to the earth, to uh, living beings that are in our immediate proximity. We're in relationship to how we're holding other beings in our hearts. And of course, most of the time, we're in relationships with people at, at, at home, at work, in the community. And how are we bringing wisdom and compassion into those relationships? How are we, how are we uh, present, first of all, in the body, in those relationships. That's, that's a really, there's a whole practice that was developed called insight dialogue. Just to learn to be present in the body when we're engaging in conversation and speaking to other people. Because we, we sometimes, you know, we frequently lose that connection, right? Uh, and we're, we're just in some other kind of, um, Either we're in that, you know, should mentality that we were talking about earlier about, um, you know, I want to be seen in a certain way by somebody, and you know, I want to, I don't want to ruffle feathers, or I want to exert my 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 presence and my power, or I want to get respect, or I want this or I want that. So. So just a really noticing when we're in, you know, kind of in a, some kind of drivenness in relationship and, and taking that moment, you know, to stop and come back to the body, you know, as David was saying, feel, feel your feet on the floor, feel your heart, you know, how's, what's happening in the heart? Is the heart putting on its armor and contracting? You know, just take a breath and soften the heart. And that can shift everything. So, um, so I, there's, there's so much can be said. Um, somebody asked a question in a note about uh, beginners and how do beginners get started. I, you know, they're reading. We have a uh, a reading list on um, on our uh, website, True North Insight website. Um, there are also audio talks. All of these talk talks will be posted on the um, on the audio page um, probably within a week or so, and um, and talks from previous retreats, many teachers, and. Um, we have our own private Dharma Seed page through True North Insight, but then there's Dharma Seed, which is a whole larger website which has you know, hundreds of teachers you could listen to. So there are many, many ways for um, you to engage. Uh, and, um, and just keep going, you know. So I, I guess the last thing I'll, I'll say before I stop and invite questions. Is um, 
You know, practice is this, just like in a, a sitting and in a retreat, we keep beginning again and beginning again. And, and in a, a larger kind of uh, arc of practice, we need to keep beginning again. Um, you know, very often people practice when things are tough. And then when it's easy, uh, kind of forget about it. Yeah, but, but it's just to stay consistent, even you know, during the tough times, during the easy times, you know, when things are flowing, uh, just to stay connected to practice. And, and it really, uh, it will undoubtedly develop and deepen. So, so please, uh, if you have any questions about practice in daily life for you, David, or for me, please um, jump in. So, uh, you mentioned in um, one of the small circles around working individually with the teacher. And that was something that never occurred to me before. And some of the things that you talked about in the Dharma talk is <coughs> things that I want to explore more. So could you say more about what that might look like to work individually with the teacher? Yeah. <coughs> so there are many ways of um, connecting with teachers. Um, you know, one one way is to, um, you know, if you find a teacher that you really connect with, uh, maybe on a retreat, you could go to, you know, a retreat every year with that teacher. And, um, and then sometimes, uh, you know, you might ask the teacher, um, are you open to, if I have, a question about practice, can I email you or set up a phone call? Um, a lot of teachers do Zoom calls or, and it's on a Donna basis and sometimes a teacher will have a suggested range, you know, of, of Donna uh, and sometimes not, so teachers are different, you could ask about that. Um, yeah, uh, if you have if you have somebody who lives locally to you that you know you've gone to practice with and you you can attend that their their regular sittings then um, uh, then that's a great way to connect with that teacher and I you know in, in my in my groups that I teach in Montreal um, sometimes somebody will come up and say. Uh, you know, is it possible to set up a meeting with you? And I, you know, I say, sure, and we can set up a, a meeting after the sit, or we can find a time to do a little Zoom conference, and, and you know, that works. Um, sometimes teachers offer, you know, kind of a, a study program, you know, which is more extended and more formal, like I've offered a number of those. Um, and um, uh, uh, you know, which involve study and monthly meetings and, and, and retreats and so on. So, 
So sometimes, you know, like when, when that's available, you could check out and and um, and as I can't remember if I just said it or said it earlier, but uh, you know, online mm -hmm. online programs um, can be really uh, really helpful. Um, so some some religious traditions have something like spiritual counseling people want to go see a priest or a rabbi in under, would you say this could be something similar? Yeah, it's something similar. It's um it's it's um you know, I I I I've I've done that kind of uh you know I've had that kind of a relationship with people within a Christian context. And and usually, you know, what uh, you know in that context, it's more looking to the texts and 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 looking to Christian practice to, you know, uh, how is God manifesting in that context in, in your life and 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 it's you know it, it but it's non-theistic, um, so it's really looking at practice and how do I take the Dharma teachings and and live them in the, in this. In, within these conditions that I'm, I'm living now, and um, you know, so sometimes people like to meet on a regular basis with a teacher, you know, for a period of time or for an extended period of time. It, it, different teachers are open to different kinds of um, uh, relationships, so it's. But I think you know, with uh, with technology, more and more distance relationships become possible. Terrell, I just have a question. Uh, do you plan? I know you you have a Living the Heart of Wisdom program going now. Do you plan to, to keep it going after that one, or are you taking it as it goes? Um, I uh, I'm I'm finishing the one that I'm teaching in May. And then I'm, I'm involved in a, um, a teacher training program, um, which is uh, focusing on Toronto-based people, but also accepting people from outside that area. But the majority will be based in Toronto because we really want to build the teaching base in Toronto. So, so I would say maybe in uh, kind of a couple of years, from now, I would be starting another one. Um, so it, it uh, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I, I'm kind of, uh, that's that's an intention, and um, and I also have an intention to to uh, kind of make create more space in my life. Um, so uh, so I, I you know. I, but 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 it is an intention to to start a new one. Yeah. And this is for uh, it's it's a study and practice program for people with some experience, you know, who have been meditating for a few years, and uh, kind of to go beyond the beginnings of um, practice. Can walking meditation be done? on a noisy downtown street <laughs> quiet? Does the effort count if there's crazy? Because I walk to work every day. Yeah. So I try. I feel like I'm, yeah. 
Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I do walking meditation all the time. You know, when I'm walking to the grocery store, I'm feeling my body, I'm coming into the body. I mean, I'm also <clears throat> taking in the world around me, you know, in a way which is mindful. There's, um, there's a really uh, lovely way of doing walking meditation out and about in the world. And it's, um, it goes through four cycles. Uh, and, um, and so you begin by really focusing your attention on feeling your feet on the ground, you know, and, and you know, also sensations in the body, but really the pressure of the feet touching the earth and uh, and then, you know, also sensations in the body as you're walking. But that grounding. And you might do that for, you know, half a block. Uh, or a block. You know, it doesn't matter. Just kind of, as long as you keep cycling through. And then the second uh, is the whole body moving through space. So a sense of the body and, and really focusing more on the movements. and. You might feel your arms swinging, but but that just that movement through space, and then and then switching to the um, uh, to hearing, to to just really noticing hearing, and and so you hear the sounds of cars, you hear kids, you hear you know a car radio or something like that. Uh, construction, you know, all of these sounds just, just kind of flowing in and kind of taking it in in a way, just in a very pure way as sound, you know, not kind of liking, disliking, you know, that's a noisy sound, I don't like it, I don't want to hear that, or, or that, you know, motorcycle was so loud, or, you know, whatever. It's just really opening to, you know, in the mindful way of not getting into grasping our aversion. And then, and then uh, the, the fourth is seeing. So you're just really seeing in a way that is uh, open, again, non-judgmental, um, kind of, you know, you can be touched sometimes. You know, you see children and we're touched by what we see or Flowers, or you know, uh, or the beauty of a you know a tree covered in snow. Um, so you know, seeing, but also open, but you know, again, not getting caught in in grasping our aversion. Um, but you know, what our eye, the eye senses, you know, we're so connected. It's very hard to just abstract it from sort of the perceptions of what we're seeing. But to a certain extent, noticing, playing with that, you know, and just noticing maybe color, noticing form. So, feet on the earth, then moving through space, then hearing, and then seeing. And I find, I find it so interesting. I, I, ha I haven't been doing that recently, but when I began, when I was practicing with that. Just the whole shift of consciousness from one sense to another itself is interesting. You know, shifting from the, 
the body sensation, and then shifting to oh, hear, hearing consciousness. You know, that's that's different than feeling the body, and noticing that oh, I'm not feeling the body so much. My focus is on hearing, and, and just just that it, it's engaging. It's very engaging, so it, it helps us to stay with it and not just get into the thoughts. So, but just walking and feeling your body, you know, is also beautiful so it's yeah um so i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about lying down meditation and kind of like when when the, there's a good time and place for it and you mentioned um a certain you know like way of maybe holding yourself so you're less likely to fall asleep mm. Yeah, I was just thinking maybe David would want to add something, um, but uh, um, but uh, lying down meditation uh, I think is good when you know particularly when um, uh, there's pain in the body, and also it can be very good when there's a lot of tension in the body, um, and. Uh, and one way to to keep from falling asleep is um, is to to lie either on your side or on your back, and and have one arm kind of your elbow bent and your arm is kind of uh, kind of there as a just like sticking up and you'll notice that if your arm starts to go like that then you're falling asleep it'll uh, help you it'll indicate to you that your mind is drifting um, yeah there's a uh, I was I was talking in one of the groups about um, a kind of um, a, a, a body scan kind of meditation um, you know, body scans are. Uh, does anybody not know what a body scan is? It's a, you know, just bringing your attention slowly through the body and feeling sensations, and but but there's a a body scan that I've taught. Uh, I learned it from a teacher named Reggie Ray, uh, and and it's uh, releasing tension. It down into the earth, and just feeling the places where your body connects with the earth, and and it's like, just um, even if you don't know that you have tension that you're holding in your body, we are holding tension, so much tension in our bodies, and uh, and so just letting you know, imagine that the tension from our toes and our the balls of our feet and our the arch and the heel and then moving up to the top of the foot and just kind of imagine it just seeping down into the earth and the earth is just, you know, kind of receiving it and then the tension from your ankle and your calf. So n not just looking for tension in the body but just, but just uh, really inviting bit by bit the whole body to relax. And, and that can be very helpful because a lot of our anxiety, a lot of our, you know, habitual 
tension, contractions in the body, uh, can slowly get released over time. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. So one one thought about not you know preventing yourself from falling asleep could be. Um, so do you have a bolster at home? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. oh, okay. And do you have a yoga block by any chance? Yeah. So if you put a yoga block um, sort of towards the end of the bolster and then position it in a way so that the bolster then is on is on a diagonal, so your head your head will be higher than your feet when you lie back. <coughs> so rather than being completely, you know, yeah. right on the ground, your head is somewhat elevated, and that seems to help people from falling asleep. And also, it's just wonderful to have the bolster behind you because it just allows for the chest mm-hmm. to open. You could put a couple of rolled up blankets underneath your arms to stabilize your arms. And then if you have some cushions, you can place cushions under the knees also, or bring your feet in Bodhikanasana and place the cushions this way. And then you're sort of lying back like that. It's really lovely. Um, and then, like Daryl says, you could do a body scan. Um, there's also um, mindful self-compassion, um, which was uh, founded by um, Kristen Neff and Christopher Germer. So if you go on there, uh, Kristen Neff's website, she has a beautiful um, self-compassion body scan mm-hmm. and it just takes you through the body but adds the, just the words she uses it really brings that compassion for well, your neck and your back and you know all the parts that you know I can be you know uh, victims of stress so to speak and then you know mm-hmm. just and then helping you release that so just thought I'd throw it out there if you want to check a, you know go on her website Kristen just type Kristen Neff and then you'll see she has all these guided meditations in this the mindful self-compassion body scan so mm. just thought I'd throw it out there yeah. N-E-F Kristen with a K N-E-F-F Kristen Neff yeah. and I forget the name of her it's something like mindfulselfcompassion.org you know something around that but if you just type Kristen Neff then it'll be done that way so I was just wondering one of the primary things that happens to me when I'm sitting is the cutting off the blood circulation so I was wondering is that something with practice goes away or that's just how it is <laughs> uh, my experience is that um, it does uh, get better with practice. Like it, it, uh, it rarely happens. I, I, I'm not sitting cross-legged these days because I'm having hip issues. But uh, it, yeah, it used to happen all the time and doesn't uh, really anymore. Just very occasionally. Um, so, uh, so you could, you know, you could sit in a different way. Um, uh, if you're crossing your legs at the ankles, like putting pressure on your ankles, that can be a cause of, of, um, of you know, it's, it's not even really cutting off the blood circulation. I, I think it's, what I was told is that it's a uh, kind of more of a nerve that 
kind mm. of this pressure on a nerve. So it doesn't cause damage to the body. It's a, unpleasant when you release it. Um, so you could just be with it. Um, uh, yeah, uh, find uh, sometimes, you know, sitting with the feet, with the leg, lower legs parallel instead of, you know, I don't know how you're sitting, but <coughs> instead of having one foot up on the calf or up on the thigh, can, can just um, be a little bit easier. So I think that uh, <clears throat> the specific posture is less important than that it be balanced and stable and upright. So, so you know, in order to develop a practice that so that you don't have a sense of um, a, a, a little, you know, you don't uh, ex, uh, associate sitting with unpleasantness. <laughs> you know, is helpful to continuing your meditation practice. <laughs> so you know, it's, uh, and then. And then, you know, the body changes with meditation. And, um, and so, you know, you can perhaps try things later on that uh, are difficult now. Do you want to add anything, David? Um, you might want to try kneeling. <laughs> I mean, that, that would uh, yeah. solve the problem for sure. Um, one thing that I do is I do get that tingling sensation and um, I try to move just once in a sitting and the move is that I will switch the legs um, just because I feel from a yogic perspective it's just nice to balance things out so you start with the right then finish with the left or vice versa but that's just my own particular craziness so <laughs> Take it for you. So, if uh, if we're complete, if nobody has anything else they want to bring up, then um, I just want to ask a kind of a, a silly question. You were talking yesterday about you know animals fighting for territory. And while you were, there were two screws. Anybody notice that? It was perfect. Yeah, those those trees are primo. Prime real estate. Yeah, okay, so thank you. Um, so, so we'll finish this part and move to our closing. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.